Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. The hawk will never die. I'm in the corner making a podcast. Whoa, oh. I'm right over here where David and Kyle. Whoa, oh. And I'm giving it my all. I hope you all enjoy this silly show. Ooh, I am podcasting on my own. That's your musical number for today, folks. Welcome back to Hawk Hill Focus, Week 10 Preview Edition. I am once again podcasting on my own host, Sam Robinson, Deputy Commissioner. Again, alongside nobody, David and Kyle are out today. Today is Kyle's birthday at the time of recording. Happy birthday, Kyle. Now we got some business to get into. Week 10 preview. Hopefully we got some games that are better than week nine, as I alluded to yesterday. There were a bunch of stinkers, some blowouts, not really competitive. This week, you're in luck. We're going to start this show with some positive affirmation on each and every team in this league, which is funny enough, the episode that David and Kyle left for me to do all by myself. And then we're going to get into week 10 pickums. So without further ado, why don't we get right into it? So the first team I'm going to start with, just like last episode, is my own. Because this is my show and I can do what I want. So I'll keep it real with y'all. My team got off to a rough start. I think we started one and four. We're now four and five. The positive affirmation is... We're getting some wins. And in a league that is mostly teams that are five and four or four and five, we're somehow in this thing. You're stringing together some wins. We're getting, you know, some luck has been on our side for sure. We're hopefully shoring up the quarterback position. The running backs, at least Alvin Kamara, looks like an RB1. Again, we haven't, we didn't have that early in the season. We were losing games. Najee Harris is still a question mark. Jeff Wilson Jr. seems to be a nice flex play. C.D. Lamb has Dak Prescott back while we're missing our boys, Mike William and Hollywood Brown. Hopefully one of them can get back from injury sooner than later. Romeo Dobbs also now on the bench. But we got some pieces. And, you know, my positive affirmation for myself is that my team's winning games. Let's get down to the list. I'm just going matchup by matchup at this point. So I played Julie this week. Julie, I don't want to give you a ton of positive affirmation because I don't really want your team to feel good about themselves heading into our matchup. Previously of a wagon tier, now you're five and four. I feel like you might have lost that status. Not to start off with some bad vibes here in the positive affirmation. But your positive affirmation, quite simply, is that you might have two of the best players in fantasy football on your roster in Jalen Hurts and Austin Eckler. Are they quarterback one and RB1? Honestly, they, they might be. But are they within the top three at each position? Undoubtedly. The wide receivers have been suspect this year. We've seen some ups. We've seen some downs. But being anchored by Jalen Hurts and Austin Eckler, at minimum, feels like a formula that gets you into the playoffs. So in a tight race in you know all of our divisions here, I wouldn't be sweating too much because your team's pretty freaking good. Getting into Mr. Matt Cress and the Nerd Squad. Matt's positive affirmation is that he's a quarterback factory. As a roster that 
envies teams with quarterback depth because I don't even really have a great one to start. You have Tua, you have Kyler, and you, I think, have still managed to hold on to Deshaun Watson on your bench at, at this point. So three, well, two bona fide. We're not sure about the third option, if he's actually going to be a viable player this year or not based on how he looks coming off of suspension. But three really good quarterbacks in what is a terrible, terrible quarterback market in fantasy football this year is an absolute competitive advantage, especially when you're squaring off against a guy that's going to start Marcus Mariota. And that is Sean in Gotham Rogues. Sean's positive affirmation. This is a tough one. He's got Jonathan Taylor as a keeper heading into next year. That's always good. And he's got some draft picks. Sean, I'm going to be honest. There's not a ton of bright spots for your team this year. Trying to scroll up and down the roster to see maybe if there's, you know, some something good here. Maybe Gabe Davis starts to turn it around. There's there's some, you know what, there's some upside with Sean's team. I'm going to talk myself into this one. There's some upside. Jonathan Taylor is bound to improve at least in the second half of this season. James Conner, while he might be struggling, that's a good RB too if he can be even 70% of what he was last year. Gabe Davis is a boomer bust machine. If he starts booming more, he's in a great Buffalo offense. I know Josh Allen. I haven't actually checked on his injury updates yet. But the last I heard, it was still up in the air. So you have Gabe Davis. That's a good target. Chris Godwin is tied to Tom Brady. So, of course, you have a higher floor probably than ceiling at that one. But, again, a good piece. Kyle Pitts, as we've alluded – well, not we. Kyle alluded to in the beginning of the season. Could be a top-end fantasy tight end. He hasn't so far. But the talent's there. And Darnell Mooney – if Justin Fields starts slinging that ball more, could be a very viable fantasy flex option. So you got some good players there. You got some really good players on your bench as well. Uh, Garrett Wilson's had his ups and downs this year. Brandon Cooks, while he hasn't been great so far, has always been, I feel like, a stable piece of the fantasy economy. So wait and see. Maybe they have bounce back second halves. But Sean, if you can string together a couple of wins, you might be looking at that last playoff spot. Do I think it's going to happen? I think it's a stretch. But you can talk yourself into it. I kind of did talk myself into that one. <clears throat> Taking a look at Jim and the All-American Butt Eaters is our next team. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to take a sip of water there. Jim's upside is that he's paying attention this year. Jim, way to go. Your team's been struggling a little bit. You currently have Naheem Hines and Rashad White as your starting RBs one and two with Nick Chubb and Cortland Sutton and George Kittle on your bench. I really hope that you're, if you're not listening, you're at least checking your fantasy lineup as I just said that you've been paying attention because you have so far this year. And it led to a scorching hot start. You've leveled off a little bit. But so is everyone. Every This entire season has been streaks and runs. And Jim, you're in the thick of it. You are not a bottom-tier team. You actually have a very capable roster. Again, anchored by Nick Chubb and Cortland Sutton and George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, and Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. I don't want to say the world is Jim's oyster, but, you know, I still have that kind of sneaky playoff team. You know, somehow it's just going to make it no matter what 
feeling about Jim. So he's got luck on his side and he's got some really good players. Now let's talk about Rob, who he's playing this week. Positive affirmation for Rob is the fact that he's four and five with Aaron Rodgers being a terrible quarterback this year. He has not been good at all. I think he looks like quarterback 20 on the season, if I'm not mistaken. So we have a terrible quarterback, literally only keeping him for the name recognition, I feel like, at this point. And your team, again, four and five. Viable wide receiver pieces in Tyree Kill and Christian Kirk. Taysom Hill is also sneakily probably one of the better tight ends in this league, given how bad the tight end position always is. And CMC is a godsend, the fact that he's finally been put in a capable offense. I don't think we've seen the best of CMC yet this season. So for Rob's sake, again, if he can hang around in the middle here long enough and get hot and strike towards the end of the season, Rob could be a scary team heading into the playoffs. Maybe Aaron Rodgers finally gets right. Cordell Patterson's also a great piece on his roster. I feel like he's always a, a sneaky good fantasy player. There's a lot to like about Rob's team. Rob, you have some talent there. We haven't seen the best of CMC yet. And I'm not really sure. I think this is your last year actually of keeping him. But if you do somehow have another year and I'm, I'm mistaken, then I sure hope that you keep him. But I'm pretty sure you don't. Let's talk about John Luca and someone who hasn't changed his team name. I'm him, question mark. He's questioning himself, and he's right to. The positive affirmation that I have for his team is that if they can get healthy, he could return to him status. DeAndre Swift in the first couple weeks of this season was like a top three tight end, or tight end, running back in fantasy football. The guy's explosive. Almost like a a light version of Christian McCaffrey. He did it all. He was catching passes. He was running. He was getting so many touches. He ended up hurting himself. And if he can get right in, again, an offense that was really good when Swift was really good, I think, you know, that offense lives and dies on was by DeAndre Swift. And Lucas team, while it doesn't live and die by DeAndre Swift, he does still have Lamar Jackson. He still has Justin Jefferson and Debo Samuel, which, you know, is another positive affirmation I can make. He's got great receivers. He's been holding on to Odell Beckham Jr. all freaking season long. And he's finally getting some murmurs of getting a job. There's a lot to like. There's a lot of question marks. You know, you got Tony Pollard starting an RB2 and Miles Sanders in the flex. So... I know the trade deadline's passed. It's a shame you couldn't flip Miles Sanders for Jonathan Taylor. But if Pollard can somehow get that starting job, not that you root for injuries, but maybe something happens to Zeke and, you know, Pollard becomes the the guy in Dallas, you're looking at a whole different situation, my friend. You're looking at a whole different situation in your running back room. That's a top five guy if Tony Pollard gets all the touches. Let's go over to who he's playing this week and Alex Gill and Philly D's nuts, the one in 18 positive affirmation. He beat me. He has one win. Um, yeah, I don't know. He picked up Latavius Murray off waivers, a guy that I dropped due to needing to drop someone to start a full lineup last week and avoid strike. So good on you for getting Latavius Murray. I hope he does you well. Actually, no, I don't. I hope he stinks uh, because I wanted to keep him, but 
Unfortunately, I had to let him go. Tried to claim the waivers, didn't didn't win that battle. So I think the best part about Gill's team is that he's going to have a high draft pick next year. Hopefully, I know this year, you know, it was a tough draft. He took he had to take Leonard Fournette in the first round, who hasn't been great, admittedly. He had a really good game when he played me, of course. But Gill, you try, you have a good time in the Discord. Positive affirmation there. That's all I really got, though. I hope Chase Claypool ends up panning out as a usable fantasy piece. And you have Ramondre Stevenson. He's on by this week. Really good player. But maybe, you know, with Dak healthy, maybe you string off a couple of wins here and you get back in the race. I don't know. You have to win a lot of games, Gil. So uh, good luck with that one. The next team that I'm going to cover is one that is near and dear to my heart. It is Larry Rooney and the Columbus Curve. Larry's positive affirmation is that no matter what happens to his team, he's going to find someone on the waiver wire who's going to replace him. He has a next man up mentality, except it's not the next man on his roster. It's the next man that is on nobody's roster. He makes something out of nothing constantly. I don't know what kind of voodoo magic he does. But Larry always finds a guy on the waiver wire. I don't really know if there's much else to say other than that. He's got a super deep roster. He traded away some draft capital to help bolster that roster up even more at the deadline. He actually surprisingly has two rather startable quarterbacks in Justin Fields and Geno Smith, and I can't believe that's a sentence here in 2022, fantasy-wise. And even his bench, there's a lot of, I'll call them high upside names. You know, looking at his bench, obviously, Jamar Chase is out, out right now. Brandon Ayuk, we know, has a high ceiling. Curtis Samuels had a really good year. Geno's currently on the bench. We know what he's capable of. And Gus Edwards, in a backfield that needs stability, is a great guy to have stashed right now. The Jets' team special team has been incredible and is sitting, well, they're sitting on by, but also Larry's other defense and special team is the Eagles. Incredible. They're starting, though. I don't want to, you know, we're talking about roster depth here. Darius Slayton's the only one that's a little bit, you know, head-scratching, but if that's the worst guy in your roster, I think you're just fine. Now let's talk about Nick, also team named the Columbus Curve. <clears throat> Nick's positive affirmation that he rosters Derrick Henry. Ken, and sometimes still looks like the best player in fantasy football, is just like a superhuman running back. The Tennessee offense more or less runs through him still, even I think he's like 30 at this point. I don't know how old Derrick Henry is. He's getting up there in age a little bit, running back wise and he also has a large stake Knicks team the Columbus curve not Derrick Henry um a large stake in the Philadelphia offense which has been incredible this year he has three pass catchers two wide receivers one tight end as a homer you know looking at how explosive the offense is and seeing that every time essentially somebody catches a pass Nick gets fantasy points it's got to be a good feeling. It's got to be a really good feeling. Nick, you have a tough matchup this week. We'll touch on that a little bit later, especially with Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback. 
but we'll see how it goes a little bit later in our pick'em segment. The last two teams that I have to positively affirm are the two gentlemen who are not on the podcast today. And that is Kyle Brandis. DJ's faster than Lamar. I'll start with him. Kamish, happy birthday. Your positive affirmation is that your team is loaded. I I don't really know what else to say. You know, you want to talk about deep rosters, really good players. I see that you took Greg Dolchich from me off the waiver wire. Again, a guy that I had to unfortunately drop to take Kolkomet, who was last week's pickup of the week. So not a terrible decision short term, but we'll see how it plays out in the long term there. <laughs> um, yeah, even with a couple of key guys, he has Mark Andrews on by this week. We'll see what happens with Josh Allen again. Currently, this is questionable. But your team is still projected to score 114 points given the current status of a somewhat injured quarterback and your best tight end being on by. I can only dream of having 114 points in the projection this year. So your team's pretty good, Kamish. You're you're doing something right there. Now let's talk about our final team. David and the good ankles. David's team is five and four. They've had their ups and downs. We'll call it how it is. But I honestly don't think David's running back situation has ever in the history of his time in the SJUFFL been more solidified. Kenneth Walker and Deontay Foreman look like two very viable top 10 to 15 running backs. Depending on, I'm, I'm not thinking of all these names off my top of my head. That's just, you know, off the cuff thoughts. Kenneth Walker's probably in the top 10. Foreman, you might have an argument to bump him into the 15 range. But the fact that that's RB1 and 2 is pretty freaking good. You think about, we have 12 rosters, you know, two RB positions. So anything in the top 24 is startable and is, you know, good. Meanwhile, some people do have probably three plus, you know, out of the flex and things as well. So having two guys in the top 15 is borderline elite. Um, when you consider that the third guy there is Raheem Mostert, we don't really know what his role looks like in Miami yet. They're still shaking it out. Jeff Wilson Jr. did get some touches. But you never know in that Dolphins offense, a really good offense. And, you know, if the Browns can support two running backs, I know the Dolphins throw a lot, but I think the end zone opportunities might be there enough to support Raheem Mostert. And I'm hoping also Jeff Wilson Jr. as a Jeff Wilson owner. But it seems like that's uh, Mostert's job more than anything. So if the touches were going to start going away, it would be in favor of Mostert getting more touches and Jeff Wilson getting less. So the running backs are solid. You need the wide receivers to come through. DK and Amon Ross St. Brown. He's got some intriguing pieces still on his bench. Deontay Johnson, Drake London gets some, well, actually they stopped throwing the ball in Atlanta. So Drake London has a lot of talent just in getting the ball. Um, you also have Travis Kelsey, which I think is always one of the bigger competitive advantages in fantasy football having a premium tight end, especially when your matchup against Kyle is when his premium tight end is on by. So we'll see what happens in those matchups. We'll touch on them in Pick'ems after we hear from our sponsor, who I can't positively affirm enough. Let's hear Kyle do the read on our sponsor, Anchor. 
Thank you, Anchor. We always positively affirm you for all the wonderful things that you do for us and all the bills that you pay. But more than anything, you positively affirm us by giving us the opportunity to make this lovely podcast, even when your friends are too busy to do it with you. So let's talk about pickums. Maybe everyone's favorite segment. I don't really know. If you have a favorite segment, sound off in the Discord. But let's go review our pickup standings currently. At the top of the leaderboard, you have yours truly. I'm sitting at 34 and 20. I've gone five and one in the last three weeks, every single week. One of these days, I'm going to get to the 6-0 mark. I'm coming for it. I know Julie already did it, so I won't be the first person, but I want to be the first person on Hawk Hill Focus to do it. Kyle went four and two. David went three and three. As I stated, I am at the top of the leaderboard, 34 and 20, a 630 win percentage. David is in second at 31 and 23 with a 574 win percentage. And Kyle is currently in last place and looks like he may do some more singing on Hawk Hill Focus at 29 and 25. So he's above 500, a 537 win percentage. And our locks of the week this year so far have been 12 and 4. For those of you that can do the math, that is a 75%, 0.75 win percentage. So, I think it's probably better than last year, but I haven't actually checked. Pickums, again, are going to be rather short. I can give you guys some thoughts, but Kyle and David can't. So, let's blow over through these. First matchup we're going to start with is mine. Again, this is my show. I can do what I want. Sandemics versus the Oz Broncos. If I can win this week and boost my rankings or boost my standings, my record, that's the word I was looking for, up to 500, and knock Julie down to 5-5 five and five at 500, I would be a very, very happy fantasy player. The odds don't look great. Currently starting Jared Goff against... Again, maybe one of the better quarterbacks in fantasy football, Jalen Hurts. I am going to pick myself. Um, David also picks me. Thank you, David. That doesn't happen very often. And Kyle picked Julie, which tough but fair. It's Kyle's birthday, so I can't really say anything mean about him. So I got some good running backs, right? She has Austin Eckler and Kareem Hunt. I know they're good. But Austin Eckler's got a really tough matchup against San Francisco. And Kareem Hunt, I don't think he's going to get a great game script when the Browns are playing Miami. Hopefully things work out in my favor. I have Alvin Kamara, who's going against the Pittsburgh defense. And I have Najee Harris, who's going against New Orleans. I like Alvin and this Pittsburgh matchup. I think that the game script's going to be there. I honestly don't know a ton about Pittsburgh's run defense at this point. I know they used to be good, but I'm assuming because of how bad the Steelers are, their run defense is bad, but maybe I have that twisted. I don't feel great about having to start George Pickens this week. Unproven after the recent trade and departing of Chase Claypool. I'm hoping it leads to more targets, but quite frankly, Kadarius Toney is my only other healthy wide receiver option on my bench currently. And I think I feel a little bit better about George Pickens than I do Kadarius Toney. So maybe this is a George Pickens week. I have no idea. CD has a game against Green Bay. We'll see what Julie and her Stefan Diggs and Juju duo can do against their 
uh, respective matchups in Minnesota and Jacksonville. I do like Cole Komet when it rains and pours touchdowns going against Detroit. A terrible, 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 terrible passing defense. And again, Justin Fields looks like he's learning how to throw the ball. So we can get that ball to Cole Komet a little bit more. The Dallas offense has been, I'll call it less than ideal after Dak's return last week. Does that lead to more Dalton Schultz touches? Did he even play last week? I know he was also been, I feel like he was also in and out of the lineup for a little bit, but I have not been keeping tabs on Dalton Schultz. No, no, we had a bye last week. Uh, so we had a good game against Chicago, 7.4 points. Um, he has not found the end zone this year. I'm hoping that streak continues. And then, you know, how I feel about defenses and special teams and kickers. So, give me me. Of course, I'm not going to pick against myself. Kyle did. David didn't. David actually likes me for once, which is, you know, good vibes going into this matchup. Our next matchup that we're going to cover is Matt Kress and the Nerd Squad versus the Gotham Rogues. And I'm going to be honest, folks, this is our very first lock of the week. Consensus, all three of us picked Matt and the Nerd Squad for rather simple reasons that Sean's team has been really bad this year. I know in positive affirmations, I just talked them up. There is, you know, it's a landmine game. It feels like a landmine game when you play against Sean. There's a lot of pieces that could go off. There's a lot of pieces that just haven't been going off this year. What's going to happen? I have no idea. <clears throat> Fantasy football makes no sense sometimes. So as long as Matt doesn't poop the bed um for what it's worth sean is currently projected to win by a point and a half actually <clears throat> but when you're hot you're hot you're a five and fourteen with Cress. maybe you get some better production out of aaron jones and aj dillon this week jonathan taylor has been pretty bad all year uh, matt stafford is also listed as questionable as the current starting quarterback on Sean's roster, and he does... Oh, he still has Marcus Mariota on his bench. Okay, so he does have an option to sub out. But Chris's team, just on paper, looks a little bit better, in my opinion. Um, Maybe not necessarily from the running back room, as he's, his RBs 1 and 2 right now are the Green Bay Packers duo. But, you know, much like Sean's roster, either of them or both of them are and the Green Bay offense could go off at any given day with Aaron Rodgers back there. He is also starting Alan Lazard, so he's heavy on the Packers. He's got Jalen Waddle, who's been really great this entire year. Gerald Everett looks like he's been a very viable tight end option. And Josh Palmer, who was great last week, and you hope to see him continue his production. So give all of us some more Matt Cresson nerd squad as he's looking to improve his record to 6-4. and four. The next matchup we have slated is between Rob Dunning and Jim Elliott. Rob and his two hills, zero cups, and Jim and the All-American butt eaters. Rob is currently favored by about 28 points and some change. Granted, Jim has not fully set his lineup as Devin DuVernay's on bye has not been subbed out. And I'm assuming he's also eventually going to put in Nick Chubb, Cortland Sutton, and maybe George Kittle if he stays with his two tight end option. Again, consensus locked. We all picked Rob. Rob, as I touched on in that positive affirmation episode, 
has some really good pieces in Tyreek Hill, Christian Kirk, Christian McCaffrey. The two Christians are really going to be the key to Rob's success this week. Uh, Christian Kirk, if, you know, whether Jacksonville falls down early and it's a game script thing where they just have to chuck the ball, you hope Christian Kirk is the beneficiary of that. And with Christian McCaffrey going against the Chargers, those games I feel like always can get entertaining um, where you really see the star shine. So you hope that Christian McCaffrey will get the opportunities that he deserves as being a super talented football player. Rob is starting Aaron Rodgers and Jim is starting Patrick Mahomes. That's probably the biggest discrepancy in positions between the two. Obviously advantage Jim, but I do think the rest of Rob's lineup up and down reigns supreme. And I'm not really sure if it's close. Apparently everybody else agrees with me though. So I'm going to move on to our next matchup. Matchup number four this week is John Luca and I'm him question mark playing Alex Gill and Philly D's nuts. Again, a short-winded conversation here. Another lock of the week. That is our third straight, if you're keeping tabs at home, in favor of Luca. Luca's team. Actually, I don't even need to talk about Luca's team. Gill's team has just been bad. Literally. Every single week, except for the week that he played me, his team has been really bad. I really don't have much more to say on that. I mean, just look at his roster. You guys can all read, right? Like, there's just not a lot of great football players on there. I don't really know where they all went. We all had the same amount of draft picks. We all, you know, drafted in order with the rounds. I I don't really know how, you know, scratch record. You're probably wondering how Gil got in this situation. I don't really know. He did beat me, though, so I don't have a ton of, you know, to comment on. But, you know, that's that's how he decides to run his team. You hope that it works for him, and we'll find out. Luca, I think your team just can't put up a stinker this week, and you should be all right. Let's move on to our second-to-last matchup. This one is considered a matchup of the week by the power rankings. And that would be the matchup between the Columbus curve and the Columbus curve. That's right. The most wild type of naming warfare that you have ever seen in fantasy football. Larry has changed his name to be the same team name as Nick. I guess in hopes to have an equal advantage in the naming department however that works in fantasy football so to set the record straight kyle and david shockingly are on team why not larry and i am on team why not nick my biggest concern with larry this week i don't know if the magic stops i don't know i'm not fully sold that this is the new justin fields Call me a hater, call me a doubter. I don't know. He does have a really great matchup against Detroit. I will not lie to you. I really don't probably sound intelligent by questioning Justin Fields, who's been on fire playing the worst passing defense in the NFL. But I don't think it's a set it and forget it 25 points like he's projected. I can't stress enough that I we just can't discount what we've seen over 
the last year and a half out of Justin Fields. Sure, it looks great now. Is it a hot streak? I don't know. For Larry's sake, he hopes it isn't. For Nick's sake, he hopes it is. Nick is starting Andy Dalton. Again, a big quarterback discrepancy. But Andy Dalton against Pittsburgh is also an incredible matchup because Pittsburgh as a team in general stinks. So if Andy Dalton and the boys can get it going, they're going to get the ball a lot. Pittsburgh offense is terrible. They're not going to have a great time of possession, which means Andy Dalton's going to keep having the ball. Could it lead to a blowout game script, which ends up ultimately hurting Andy Dalton? Maybe. But you got to like the matchup. You got to assume that there's at least going to be some production early. And he hasn't looked terrible as the starter in New Orleans. He's also got Nick has Derrick Henry and David Montgomery going for him. Chris Olave, obviously on the receiving end of Andy Dalton passes, is a great matchup. AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard versus the Washington Commanders. I mean, come on, how could you pick against that? Uh, Terry McLaurin versus. Philly is slightly concerning as Mr. McLaurin is probably going to draw Darius Slay as a shadow all day long, which, you know, typically doesn't go well when a wide receiver is shadowed by Darius Slay. But maybe he finds the end zone or something. There's going to be some garbage time in that game, and maybe McLaurin can shine there. Back to Larry's roster. The reason I'm not really picking him as I touched on, Justin Fields is suspect. Travis Etienne against the Kansas City Chiefs is suspect. DeAndre Hopkins against the LA Rams. Not so much that I'm worried about D-Hop. I'm worried about Kyler against the Rams. Uh, he's not going to have a lot of time in the pocket. It is going to impact how often DeAndre Hopkins can get the ball, how good the throws are, et cetera, et cetera. You are worried about that. Cooper Cup, you can never be worried about. That's freaking Cooper Cup. Zach Ertz is on the same boat as DeAndre Hopkins with the quarterback. Zeke has been pretty bad recently, uh, starting in the flex. And then, you know, again, my feelings on defenses and special teams. I don't comment on them. So, in recap, I think Nick has slightly better matchups despite not having better players. We'll see what happens in week 10. And our final matchup. The matchup of the individuals who are not on the podcast, of course. Kyle Brandis and DJ is faster than Lamar is playing David and the good ankles. The biggest question mark right now is whether Josh Allen is healthy or not, in my opinion. If Josh Allen is healthy, well, I guess regardless, I have to pick a score anyway. But I did pick Kyle. Kyle picked himself. David picked himself. So I was the deciding vote. I, I did lean towards the commission. Happy birthday, commission. It's your birthday. I picked you and pick them. So that is my gift to you. He is projected to win by about 14 and a half points. Josh Allen, again, dealing with that UCL injury. I haven't, you know, read up on anything really. I'm going to start to probably closely monitor that situation a little bit more as we get closer to Friday and more news comes out. Again, that is a UCL. That is the Tommy John tendon for anyone who's, you know, not a medical professional like myself. That's me saying I'm not a medical professional, not that I am. Um, he is referred to as day-to-day by Coach McDermott. That's as of noon today. 
uh, Wednesday, November 9th, day of recording. And yeah, that's all it really says is that he stayed today and he didn't practice on Wednesday. <clears throat> so we'll see. You know, I'm not an injury expert. It could be something, it could be nothing. I am a little bit worried with him not practicing today. But that also could just mean that they're continuing to evaluate see doctors, however, you know, the medical stuff works. Uh, Kyle's running backs are also loaded. Barkley's been great this year. Damian Pierce has really come into his own as of recent. Matchups against Houston and New York uh, football giants are not really ones that you worry about for running, running backs. Mike Evans in Seattle, you really hope that Tom Brady and the boys can throw the ball against Seattle. Seattle's been a rather bad team all year, so maybe they get some, you know, some offensive firepower, a get-right game for the uh, the Bucks offense. Devontae Adams, who went beast mode last week, is looking to continue that against Indy. Again, a team that's kind of in turmoil, just fired their coach. You like that matchup. I like Greg Dolchich. Um, see how he does against Tennessee this week. Not a terrible streamer, if you ask me. But, Kyle, I also think that maybe you should drop him when this week's over. Um, you know. So, maybe I can get him back or something. I don't know. And then Dalvin Cook is out of his flex. It's a pretty good flex player, don't you think? David, that's Justin Herbert, who hasn't been outstanding as of recent, if my memory serves me correct, I'm going to look at the game log right now, and that's floating. I hope I don't look like a fool. Uh, over his last four performances, 16 points, 8 points, 21 points, 14 points. It's not great. It's honestly borderline Russell Wilson numbers. I think that David just has a better Russell Wilson, or maybe a Russell Wilson with better hair as his quarterback. And I don't think people are talking about that enough. Um, his running backs that I alluded to earlier in the positive affirmation section are really good. Um, but I still think Kyle's are better, which is saying something. Um, we talked about wide receivers are a little bit more of a weakness this year on David's team. DK hasn't been outstanding. He's been good enough, you know, with Gino as the quarterback. I feel like people really counted out DK Metcalf this season. Um, but, you know, looking at his last four performances, three points, 1.2 points, 11 points, nine points. So he has heated up a little bit as of late. Those are on touchdowns though. Um, in those last two games. So if you take, not that you discount touchdowns, but he's not the same super yards guy that we kind of expected him to be with like the upside with the touchdown being added. It is almost like a touchdown dependent play at this point. Can he score three touchdowns in three straight weeks? We will find out. Um, and, you know, Amon Ra has been a little bit more suspect as well as DeAndre Swift since, you know, those early week uh, explosive Lions offenses that we kind of saw early on. He does have Travis Kelsey and, you know, he's really good at football. I, have, I can't even, like, try and convince myself that, that Travis Kelsey would ever have a bad game. Like, those, those games are few and far between. But I got the commish, David has himself, and Kyle has himself as well. So, in conclusion, I'm going to reread over every single matchup and who we all picked, just to make sure I didn't ever forget to read David and Kyle's uh, votes. So, in the matchup versus Sam and Julie, Kyle picked Julie, I picked myself, David picked me. In Matt versus Sean, 
Kyle picked Matt. Oh, actually, we all picked Matt. Jim versus Rob. We all picked Rob. Lock of the week. Luca versus Gil. We all picked Luca. Lock of the week. Larry versus Nick. Kyle and David went with Larry. I went with Nick. Maybe start hashtag why not Nick? Who knows? Um, and in the matchup of the other two podcast hosts, Kyle and David, they both picked themselves and I picked Kyle. Folks, that is going to wrap up this episode of Hawk Hill Focus. I once again thank you for your time. Please leave some feedback in the Discord if you enjoyed these individual episodes. And if you didn't, you can leave that as well. But just remember that I asked if you would prefer no episodes or me do solo episodes and you all voted for me to do solo episodes. To the commissioner, happy birthday, my friend. I hope you are enjoying it. And best of luck, everyone, in big week number 10. Let's see what happens. Kyle, sing us out. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. The hawk will never die.